What's going on, everybody? What is going on, all the beautiful people out there, especially the ones listening to this podcast right now? Uh, welcome, first-time listeners. Welcome. My name's Cole Haight. This is the All In Man Cave podcast. To all the repeat listeners, you know who I am. You know what it is. It's the middle of the week podcast. We're going to do some news, big news coming out in the NFL today. Uh, great for me to share with you. Actually, the last few days, uh, and I compiled them all to give you guys all the breaking news updates for all the movement out there. We've got some sketchy stuff going on. We've got Aaron Rodgers talking again. We've got some Vikings updates. We've got some officials that still don't know how the game of football should be officiated. Uh, and then we will go through our normal injuries uh, that'll impact your favorite teams and your fantasy teams as well. And then my likes and dislikes as well for fantasy football owners this week, uh, whether it be daily fantasy or weekly fantasy. Depends on uh, whatever you whatever your faux pas is, whatever you're doing currently, whether it's daily fantasy and betting on it or if it's a, a, a long year long league with your buddies. I got all the, the, the likes for, for this week for starts to, to win your fantasy this week. And then I got your dislikes as well. So let's hop right in. We'll start with all the breaking news. A lot of movement. A lot of stuff going on. First off, want to give myself a little pat on the back. My Monday night football best bet picks for player props went four for four. All of them hit, including but not limited to, if you can think back to my preview episode for the over-under and the spread for the game originally also hit. So technically, Monday Night Football, I was 6 for 6. So let's go through them quickly again. We had Najee Harris over 20 and a half rushing attempts. He had 22. We had Big Ben over 20 and a half completions. He had 21. We had uh, Justin Fields over 40 and a half rushing yards. He had 45. And then we had Cairo Santos, the former Kansas City Chiefs field goal kicker, making at least one and a half field goals. He hit two. So that's four for four there. I originally took Chicago plus six and the over of over 39 and a half. So all of those hit. If anybody made those bets and I made you some money, I feel like I've redeemed myself based on uh, me being a little bit under 500 for the year in terms of uh, picking games against the spread. So we're getting better. We're getting there. Um, we're going to start off the breaking news. Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. A lot of stuff went down. Uh, Aaron was quiet for a while, came out on the Pat McAfee show. I listen to my podcasts at work. I work in a warehouse setting, so we're allowed to listen, uh, listen to stuff while we're working. So I'm usually one day behind on my podcasts. Uh, since I work an earlier shift, they normally come out later on in the afternoon slash evening, and then I, I listen to them the next day. So today, it being Wednesday the 10th, this was the, the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the 9th. Uh, Aaron came out, talked to Pat McAfee a little bit. I just want to take away a few things from this, and and, and it's not like this is going to be the hottest take ever, uh, but I think Aaron Rodgers realized that he pushed a button, uh, getting a little bit political, coming out, talking about the vaccine, uh, talking about defending himself and saying he didn't lie, and all the stuff that basically came out of that from the original time he was on the Pat McAfee show, uh, describing how he felt about this topic and all this. Uh, Pat hit him with some questions about, well, was he listening to the outside noise? Was he 
kind of succumbing to watching the media. And and if you know anything about Aaron Rodgers, he's going to tell you that he doesn't. He's going to tell you that he sits in his apartment slash house, wherever he is, getting the best treatment possible for him having COVID and not being vaccinated. And he's going to say he doesn't look at it. There's no way Aaron Rodgers does not look at the media. I, I've, I've talked about this uh, to exhaustion, honestly. Uh, there's no way these professional athletes don't turn on ESPN. There's no way that they are completely gone in terms of looking at the media and what people are talking about them. I feel like he got a lot of pressure from a lot of people on his decision and his words that he chose to use uh, when he was talking to these politics and talking about talking to Joe Rogan and and all of this stuff that would be considered controversial or I guess a better word would be polarizing in in the professional sports world right now but he he's basically saying this is the last time he's going to talk about it this is how he feels he respects everyone's opinion but he made the best opinion based on his current situation uh, listen I I don't want to talk about this forever because I think Aaron Rodgers has already exhausted his his media presence for th- this football year and leading up to this football year with all the stuff that happened in the offseason. I-, I just, I don't know. I, I want to believe that he's being authentic about it, and, and I want to believe that he actually gives a shit, part of my French, about all of the the people that were affected during this, this COVID year and a few years, I guess you should, should say. And this pandemic in general has changed the lives of everyone involved. And, and it, it doesn't even necessarily have to be you and your immediate family, people you know, prominent figures in the world, uh, people that are respected, people that are not respected. It's, it's affected. COVID has, has affected everything in this life. And until something else happens, it's going to continue to do so. Uh, I work with a lot of people in, in a large warehouse setting. A lot of people feel a type of way about this pandemic, about the vaccines, about the mandates, about the masks, about the uh, it, there's five million things that people are raging about. And, and and once you bring politics into that as well, it starts to become a bit of a, br- a witch's brew of uh, people getting way more upset than what it is. I like to stay relatively straight on the line about it. Listen, you believe and feel the way you want. I will not judge you for doing so. Uh, but the one thing that that really drives me nuts, and it's you can relate it to a lot of things in life, is is when people push their beliefs on other people. That's when I start to have a problem. You can believe what you want, but don't tell me that I need to believe it. it, it, it there's complete. There there needs to be. There needs to be like an auto an autonomistic, I guess, if that's even a word. There there needs to be something where people need to feel the way they feel and they need to be respected to feel that way. And honestly, it just it, that's just what it needs to be. Like you don't need to be judged, you don't need to push your push your beliefs on other people. Ju- ju- you can feel the way you want. And honestly, in this day and age, no matter what you say, you're going to be judged for it. There's going to be people that 100% agree with you, people that don't. And then there's going to be people on the fence. So no matter what you say, you're never going to get the the approval of everyone that you want, nor are you going to be hated by everyone that you thought would hate you for your response, your feelings or what have you. So I think Aaron Rodgers needs to move on from this. I it, I, I don't Anytime sports figures talk about politics or anything that's not sports related to the sport they're playing or any sport in general, most of the time that gets captured, twisted, and then put it back into the media in some way, shape, or form. Everybody that I've listened to that is of any type of merit has made a comment about Aaron Rodgers. 
whether that be the Fox, everybody on on Fox Sports, everybody on CBS Sports, all the commentators, all the former players, all, all the agents, all of the everyone who covers the the game of football has made a comment about Aaron Rodgers and the fact that he goes on Pat McAfee to say that he's not bothered, he hasn't looked at it, and he sat inside on his couch and read a book the entire time and self-reflected. There's no way that's 100% true. There's there's not a chance in hell. It's not a chance in hell that that's 100% true. He wants you to believe that. Aaron Rodgers is a good speaker. He's good at he's good at getting his way and talking his way out of a lot of things. He would probably be a decent car salesman or insurance salesman as well, but I, I he he knew based on his response and what he was saying to a platform that was going to get a lot of watches, a lot of listens. He knew what he was doing, and now I think he didn't expect it to blow up this large. And he's trying to to capture what is left of the respect people have for him after he was very biased in his comments. And that is the last thing I'm going to say on Aaron Rodgers. Next, Odell Beckham Jr. released from the Packers. Sorry from the Packers, from the Browns. Uh, he did clear waivers, which means no team claimed him off of waivers. Therefore, he could sign with any team. As of right now, he has not signed with any team. However, he is interested in three via Diana Russini, who is very a very reputable source. She's been on multiple things that I've watched, has very good intel, very good reporter. Uh, he's looking at three teams, and we're going to talk through all three of them. So he's looking at the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Packers, and he's going to make a decision between the three. I see an issue in in two of these, and, and I see a, a better fit in one. Uh, so to be honest with you, yes, the Packers are a situation where he would be successful and the team is headed towards great things, especially this year. But Odell Beckham Jr. wants to be a number one wide receiver. Whether or not he still has that skill set or not, that's what he wants. And he will never get that in Green Bay. Devontae Adams will always be the number one receiver. And when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, that he will always pick Devontae Adams. And then when Aaron Rodgers leaves and Odell is stuck there, he is going to be in the same position he was in multiple times already in his career. Have an average to below average quarterback that can't find him and he's going to get upset again. Moving on, the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs signed Josh Gordon earlier this season. He's been like non-existent. The, uh, yes, I, I would agree with most people that the Chiefs need a, a wide receiver too, similar to the Sammy Watkins of recent years, to take some heat off of Tyreek, to take some heat off of Kelsey, and to have another reliable target for Patrick Mahomes right now that's actually struggling. He's actually struggling to throw the football right now. Watched a decent amount of the game against the Packers. The Packers defense has been playing well, but for what reason, I still can't figure out. But he had players open, or at least a step open, that had space. He wasn't finding them. Made a good play at the end of the game to ice it, to get the W. But he's struggling right now. And yes, Odell will have success there. I just don't know how that fits into a scheme unless... I'm not seeing everything that others are seeing. And the Chiefs are up near the top of the cap. They went out and spent a lot of money to revamp that offensive line. I know people restructured to get it. It would just be a weird, it would be a weird signing for them. And then lastly, the Saints. I see this as the best option. Nobody knows what's happening with Michael Thomas. He pissed off the organization by not having a surgery three months when ago when he should have had the surgery, but then waited so that he could have his offseason uh, and actually do what he wanted and then have the surgery. Had a setback. Now he's going to be out for the year. Uh, for the end of this year, that makes sense. 
They don't know what they're doing at quarterback. Trevor Simeon right now with with Taysom Hill. It's similar if I had to if I had to compare it. So Trevor Simeon's not going to give you he's not going to give you flashy stats. He's also not going to be terrible. Similar to the 2017 Minnesota Miracle year with Case Keenum. Case Keenum had that was his only good year as a professional. The rest of his years are have been subpar or extremely subpar. He had a great tight end and two great receivers to throw to that were bailing him out on some of his throws, got him through the season as well as a great defense. So, yes, the Saints can get by right now. Without Michael Thomas there, Odell fits in well. They only really have Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway right now. Other than that, they're kind of limited at the position. So I see the Saints as the best like location for him. However, I don't think the Saints with the issues they have at quarterback right now, are are a, a lock to go deep into the playoffs. Right now, they're at, they're at a decent record. Uh, they did just take a big loss to the Atlanta Falcons, which puts them a little bit farther back than they wanted. However, I, I see the Saints as the best target for 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 Odell Beckham. Like he needs to, he, I think he needs to call up the the New Orleans Saints and say, listen, I, I want to be on this football team because that's going to give him everything he wants because uh, he knows he's going to get his money. Uh, that he's going to try and prove himself again as a number one target, and he might be able to do so by going to the New Orleans Saints. Next on the list, two big new, news outlets for the Vikings uh, released this information. Uh, Dalvin Cook, the abuse, the extortion, uh, there's there's rumors coming out about everything. His his lawyer came out and spoke. So apparently, one of his ex girlfriends uh, is actually a current U.S. Army general or not general, I guess colonel, whatever you want to use, sergeant to colonel. I don't remember exactly what she is in the army, but she is. Uh, there was apparently abuse uh, said by both parties, and then extortion on her end. The story is kind of insane, so we're going to go through a few of the things of the story. So apparently, uh, from her side, she's saying that there was a, a physical abuse uh, when the, the couple was uh, under uh, having rocky rocky terms for their relationship. She ended up getting thrown over a couch and hit, it, it hit into a table, uh, broke her nose, broke her lip, what have you. Uh, and that's basically the domestic abuse that she has stated that's like given to us via the media. On the other, on the flip side, Dalvin Cook's lawyer has been very vocal on on what his client, Mr. Dalvin Cook, as he would refer to him as, uh, is saying that apparently there was some type of break in. They had broke the the couple had broken up. He uh, had heard the garage door come in. She enters, did not have a garage door opener. Does not. Nobody knows how she obtained this. So they're saying it was stolen. Came in, pepper sprayed people that he had in his house, uh, as well as him. Held them hostage. She did have a gun, and then now basically is trying to settle this in court with money, which is basically extortion, considering she's lying. He could have easily settled it. Uh, she's looking for a couple million dollars. He could have easily settled it, and this could be squashed. However, he really doesn't think he did it. Uh, and honestly, I don't know. I've seen a lot of these in the NFL. Uh, he said, she said, what is going on? How are they going to prove it? I, it's not something you want to hear, obviously, as a Vikings fan. Uh, I want to be there and, and believe Dalvin Cook, but I've been there and wanted to believe Adrian Peterson, Ray Rice, Kareem Hunt. All of these players that seem to have not gone on, they seem to have been on the wrong side 
uh, of this litigation and and for Dalvin Cook not to settle this and for him to fight it it says a lot about his character especially if he's not lying if he is it says another lot about his character so we'll see if he settled it the extortion would have been successful whereas he doesn't feel as though uh, he he can't he can't just let this go and just settle it so we'll see what happens with that it's going to be a huge situation moving forward depending on if he faces any suspensions uh, as a Vikings fan, it seems like I'm homering into this topic, but uh, if for you guys out there, uh, even for uh, fantasy owners, daily fantasy, everything, everything that Dalvin Cook means to everybody out there, uh, not just Vikings fans, it, it, it impacts that team. It impacts that team a lot. And something else that impacts that team a lot is this COVID outbreak that the Vikings just had. Uh, Dakota Dozier, a former starting lineman, now backup. Uh, hospitalized with COVID-19 and he's vaccinated. There are 29 people on the team that are considered close contacts and will be getting daily tests. And that includes head coach Mike Zimmer. Uh, The 29 players are not named in the article that I was reading, uh, but will have a huge impact. And this is probably one of the biggest COVID outbreaks that we've had this season. Uh, And it's similar to some of the ones that we had last season under the 2020 real COVID year when we had no fans and there were a lot of limitations. So we'll see what comes of this. Uh, the Vikings did have one of the lowest vaccination rates. I think they were just over 80% for the active 53-man roster. That does not include the practice squad. So we'll, we'll see what comes of this the next few days. We're going to see the tests come out uh, and who's positive, who's not, who's in, who's a close contact, who's vaccinated. And we're going to see a lot of that. And coming into a game against the Chargers, it's going to mean a lot, uh, depending on how this happens. And it's going to affect uh, a lot of the outcome of this game and whether the Vikings can win or not. And the last thing, I, I, I literally cannot talk about this anymore. So I'm going to promise that I will try. I'm not going to promise to promise. I'm going to promise to try to not talk about the officials. But this this shit has to stop. It is unbelievable. I I missed the beginning. Actually, I missed the whole first half of the Monday Night Football game. I went back and saw some clips from the second half. A slow game up until the second half, so I didn't miss much. But getting into the, the third and fourth quarter, uh, there was a call. Cassius Marsh, who used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, has been bouncing around a few teams. I think he's he's about an eight-year eight year NFL player. Uh, He's now on the Bears, makes a big sack, looks at the Pittsburgh Steelers sideline, gets flagged for taunting, and then the official hip checks him on his way off the field. It is clear as day. I do not know how you don't see that the NFL official that literally was standing right in front of Cassius Marsh as he's trying to leave the field literally backs up and hip checks him and then throws a flag. It is the most blatantly obvious call that I've ever seen. A blatantly obvious thing that I've ever witnessed, honestly, in my life. You have people from the from the the vice president of officials coming out saying he acted appropriately. There was nothing wrong with what the official did. Are these people blind? Are, are you kidding me? This is insanity. And honestly, nobody would really look at it. And I would, but a lot of people who just the average watcher that doesn't really dig into stats, doesn't really follow as deeply as I do into the NFL, a lot of people wouldn't really mind this except for the entirely bad calls for that entire game. Somebody got an illegal block and never blocked somebody. How is that even possible? 
I, I don't care what the rule is. If you didn't touch anybody, how did you illegally block them? Hold on, I'll wait. Like what? This makes no sense. Big Ben getting roughing the passer calls, whereas Justin Fields, the younger quarterback, not old, younger, uh, more mobile, he gets hit and doesn't get the roughing the passer calls. The penalties dictated that game because the penalty that that took the points away from them because it was a touchdown turned into a field goal. Ended up they lose only lose by two. That's a three three point difference. And the Pittsburgh Steelers won on a field goal at the end of the game. So, like, this, these officials, and honestly, like, we can sit here all day and complain about the officials, but honestly, you know what the NFL cares about? They care about revenue, money. The ratings are up, so they don't care. They, can, they, they don't give a flying crap about the officiating and how good it is if people are continuing to watch. Fans drive the NFL. If you don't like it, don't watch. Because I, I, you're, there's nothing that the average fan can do other than not watch football to affect football. And it's sad for me to say that, and it sounds super down of a comment for me to make, but that's it's, it's, officiating's been a problem for the next, last few years and nothing has happened. It's actually gotten worse. They've made, it's been vocal about how bad it is. The taunting calls are crap. They're calling ticky-tack really really ticky tack PIs it, it's ridiculous you have horse collars that are being you're grabbing a the waist of the jersey near somebody's waist and they're getting called for horse collars that's literally not even what a horse collar is it was there was one in the Vikings game is absolutely disgusting sack Lamar Jackson uh, grabbed by the underneath the shoulder pads grabbed the jersey to pull him down and it's a horse collar horse collars inside the shoulder pads or at the nameplate. He's underneath he's underneath it, it's basically the bottom half of the number. That's off by two and a half feet. You're telling me an official can't see two and a half feet? That's ridiculous. And that will end my soapbox for the the officials. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on it. If as long as there's bad calls, there's content. But I'm I'm getting really sick of talking about officiating when Clearly, the officiating is bad. I want to know what these people do when they have their meetings. Oh, let's see how this game went. Let's see where we can improve the entire game. All of them. All the games they can improve. It's absolutely bonkers. Bonkers. And not to mention, uh, if you guys remember, if you guys have listened to the beginning of when I first launched this podcast, I talked about the, the officiating rules and changes for this year. One of them was that New York... You, the the refs would have New York in their ear to fix any bad calls or and or to be like oh listen it's it wasn't really that it wasn't really this so they can pick the flags up where is that because it's clearly not working or the people in New York are just as bad as the people on the field so honestly I feel bad for people people's favorite teams out there you're losing games because of penalties it, to be honest with you I, I feel bad at the same point it's literally happening to everyone. So it's going to continuously be a problem. All right, that ends the news segment. Uh, Keep an eye on all of those things. We'll see where Odell lands. We'll see if Aaron Rodgers comes back this week. Uh, And we'll keep an eye on all of this COVID, this Vikings COVID outbreak, Dalvin Cook and the officials. So 
Uh, just an update, some breaking news, some stuff you guys may have not read yet. Uh, just wanted to bring you guys to light on that. But let's move into the injury segment. Like I got, like I tell you guys, I try and uh, keep it to prominent players, players that might affect your personal team and or your fantasy football team. So we're going to start in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence, low ankle sprain. Got that low ankle sprain in the middle of that game against the Buffalo Bills. Left for a minute or two. Uh, came back in. He is questionable this week. Uh, they'll see how he reacts to the treatment. Uh, don't expect anything more than limited in practice uh, because they do not want to risk him having a setback since if you take Trevor Lawrence off that off that team, they're pretty much irrelevant like they kind of are now. So uh, keep an eye. We'll see how his – don't expect to see anything above limited, uh, but he's probably going to be up until a game-time decision maybe Saturday until they officially say if he's playing or not. Next person, Patrick Sertan the second. Uh, always drove me nuts. People had the second. Isn't that junior? I'm just confused, but we'll talk about that at a different time. Uh, the Denver Broncos corner, Patrick Sertan. Uh, he has a knee sprain. He's going to miss multiple games. It looks like he's going to need a lot of of rehab for this knee sprain. He's going to need a lot of rest. Uh, multiple games. I was. I looked it up. I hate when people give me vague answers, especially when I'm reading an article. So I'll just try and see if anyone will give me more official of a of a, a timeline, so I'll know something else. Because it, multiple games is too vague. I don't want to hear that. Multiple games could be six. It could be two. So uh, I saw two to three in a few articles that I skimmed over. So two to three weeks knee sprain, similar to a high ankle sprain, uh, in terms of amount of games they should miss. Uh, so we'll see what happens with Patrick Sertan. If he comes back quicker, obviously keep an eye on his practice schedule uh, and anything coming out of Vic Fangio's mouth, which is their head coach. Next on the list, two New England running backs, uh, which you would think would not be prominent enough to get on here. However, both impactful in terms of fantasy as well as impactful for any New England fan that knows they need to run the ball to be successful. Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. Damian Harris has been their workhorse, uh, but Ramondre Stevenson, their rookie, has also been really good in pass-catching instances in within games, as well as filling in when Damian Harris is on the sideline for, for rest. So they both have concussions. Uh, I've looked it up. It didn't say anything about being super ready to go in the protocol. It seems like they're, they may or may not miss this week. Uh, I have protocol slash questionable written down here. It it depends. You're you're gonna see if they can if they clear the protocol before Friday, they should be good to go. If they don't clear the protocol and they're still out of practice by Saturday, there is probably an 85% chance they won't play. So keep an eye on that. It's gonna be huge for New England to make sure they have at least one solid running back in the football game. And then even at that point, like are they going to be able to do what they want to do on the ground so that they can carry their team still to a win with the strength, which is their defense, uh, and basically average quarterback play from Mac Jones? Next on the list, I didn't even hear about this until today, which usually, honestly, it happened yesterday, so I'll give myself credit on that. Uh, Nick Chubb on the COVID list. So a positive test from Nick Chubb. He is vaccinated. 
So but he does not have to go through the hoops and bounds that Aaron Rodgers had to, uh, or Harrison Smith, honestly, who's unvaccinated, which is a, a required 10 days away from the team, and you need two negative tests. There is no quarantine for vaccinated players. So Nick Chubb just needs two negative tests by Saturday to be available for this game this week. So keep an eye. It seems... It seems almost anticlimactic when when you say you only need two negative tests uh, within a 24 hours period. Honestly, like even if you're vaccinated and you're positive, you're still able to spread the virus. Like this is not a this is not a COVID vaccine podcast, uh, but that's just the reality of it. So it all depends on how he tests and if he's able to play. Cream Hunt's still on the IR, so we may see another. Uh, emergence of Dearness Johnson this week for the Browns on Sunday. Next on the list, Chase Edmonds, high ankle sprain. They are about to put him on IR. Read an article that they might wait until Thursday to officially put him on IR, but with a high ankle sprain, we've seen a lot of players this year with high ankle sprains. It seems to be one of the more prominent Injuries, especially for playmakers in, that are running backs and wide receivers, just easier to roll that ankle or put it in a bad spot. So we'll, he's definitely going to go on to IR, which would lead me to believe that James Conner is going to take a lot of carries and, and catch a lot of passes. So James Conner is going to take on more of a Christian McCaffrey role, uh, especially for the next few weeks while Chase Edmonds is not in the football game due to that high ankle sprain. Next on the list, Alvin Kamara, literally question marks. So I got an update to my phone. I think it was either yesterday or this morning. I think it was last night that the Saints are working out running backs. Uh, Josh Adams, Carryon Johnson, running backs that you wouldn't really expect uh, someone to sign right now unless there was an issue. I li- there's literally no update on Alvin Kamara, yet the Saints are out just working out running, running backs randomly. Now... With Mark Ingram there, that's a red flag that there's something wrong with Alvin Kamara. Now, we don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't think anyone knows what it is except for Alvin Kamara. But he may have been banged up a little bit in their their game last week against the Falcons. Uh, Undisclosed is what I'm literally labeling this. But keep an eye. There might be something that comes out later on. Hopefully comes out before uh, before, way before Sunday's game so that any fantasy owners of him or Saints fans can, will know what to expect in terms of whether these players that they're working out are going to get signed, they're going to be on the practice practice squad, they're going to be elevated to the 53-man roster. Uh, that's going to determine what what's going on with Alvin Kamara, even without an in- injury designation. Because if they elevate him to the, the, the team, if they elevate him from the practice squad to the team after signing them to the practice squad, there's going to be another running back in the mix, which is going to hurt his fantasy stock. Next on the list, Ezekiel Elliott. He had a knee bruise. I uh, think he took a knee to the knee. If I don't, if I remember watching that game correctly, uh, he's gonna he's gonna play this week. They, they thought that there could possibly be an injury there. It seemed like it was only a bruise. I, I saw contusion. I saw knee bruise. I saw stinger. It, 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 he's prob he's probable this week. Uh, nothing that I've seen coming out of the Cowboys camp would tell me otherwise. I've seen nothing negative, all positive. So unless he has some sort of setback, expect Zeke to start. 
but if he does not, keep an eye on Tony Pollard because they're, they've been a two-headed monster, and if one of the heads isn't working, the only other option is the other one. Next on the list, Sam Darnold, scapula fracture. Now, I, I was like, wait, spatula, what? I didn't know where a scapula was. I knew it existed. Not sure exactly, so I was like, hmm, I wonder where this is at. And this came out way after their game had ended this week. But he has a fracture in his scapula, which is in your shoulder blade, at the back end of your shoulder blade. He's going to be out multiple weeks. Once again, dug a little bit into that. It's looking like four weeks. Uh, could be pushed to six if he's not recovering as as they would have expected. So my best option for any Panthers fans out there, uh, because we're not talking about anything in terms of fantasy for Sam Darnold since he's been absolutely awful the, the last five weeks. So Carolina Panthers fans out there, you may be losing Sam Darnold because af- after your piss-poor performance, and I'm talking to him right now, uh, for the past five games, and now you're going to be out four weeks, this may be the end of the Sam Darnold era in Carolina. Next on the list, Russell Wilson is cleared by the doctor that performed his surgery to come back off of the IR this week and start versus the Packers. I understand that the doctor cleared him, and I saw that on ESPN, but I wanted to see if there was anything out there in in Seattle land to, to, to confirm that. It looks like they will elevate him off of the... They will elevate him from IR probably sometime later this week. And that is huge for this Seattle Seahawks team that is playing a big game against the Packers with probably the return of Aaron Rodgers, as well as them trying to stay in the NFC playoff hunt, which is clearly going to be a jumble uh, heading to the finish line between a lot of three-win, four-win, and one five-win team. Last on my list of injuries, Matt Stafford. He had a rolled ankle. They're calling it a low ankle sprain. I don't think that the ankles actually sprained considering he came back in the game, ran for a first down in that uh, Sunday night game, and also scored on on that drive. So he made multiple good throws, had a rushing rushing first down on that drive. Looked like he was all right. They interviewed him, I think, at the media. I think it was yesterday afternoon. He said he's going to be good to go. Just rolled up on himself a little bit. Everybody understands if you've ever played any sports or have been just generally active outside running at all. Uh, Pretty easy to roll an ankle, especially if it's uneven ground uh, or you're changing speeds when you're running. So don't expect much uh, from Matt Stafford in terms of injury designation. He should be good. He should be good at practice, and he's probable this week. Obviously, I use the word probable because, honestly, everybody is probable, and there could always be a setback. All right, that will end the injury list for this week. Keep an eye on those people, like I always say. Keep an eye on their injury designations during the week at practice. It'll tell you a lot about what to expect or project going into the weekend and these in this Week 10 slate. So uh, if you see a lot of limiteds, if you see a lot of full participations, or if you see a lot of no, like no active, like no practice, no practice time at all. Uh, he's not doing any team drills, anything like that. Uh, you can project how they're going to play or what the percentage is uh, for these players to start this week, either for your favorite team or your fantasy team. 
Speaking of fantasy team, we've reached the fantasy segment for Cole's likes and dislikes this week. Um, I'm feeling pretty positive, so let's start with the likes. Uh, Number one uh, for likes this week, Carson Wentz versus Jacksonville. Listen, Jacksonville's defense played amazing last week. I don't expect that to continue. Uh, And the Colts have been on a roll lately, especially offensively. Uh, Jacksonville has struggled year to date minus last week uh, against the run. Jonathan Taylor, second best running back right now and will be eventually number one once everybody passes Derrick Henry, who will get no more rushing yards for the rest of the season. So I expect them to be able to put up decent amount of points. Carson Wentz in the play action game is pretty good. And and Mike Pittman Jr. has been amazing this year uh, to go along with their big body tight ends as well. So I like really like Carson Wentz against Jacksonville this week. Uh, the Colts have, have a good turnaround, and and I like his the statistics that Carson's been putting up. He's been playing a lot better, and it's good to see him get out of that funk that was him on the Philadelphia Eagles last season. Next on my likes list, Mike Gesicki versus Baltimore. I cannot tell you how many times last week tight ends for the Minnesota Vikings were wide open, yet either not found by Kirk Cousins or not even looked at by Kirk Cousins. The, the defensive backs and the linebackers, in coverage for the Baltimore Ravens are very bad. Probably bottom five in the league. Mike Gusecki, great one-handed catch last week. Seems like him and Tua or Jacoby Brissett, but they have a he has a com uh, he has a very good collaborative skill with both of them. Uh, they they kind of like bouncing off each other. Uh, he's got a good rapport with them both as well. It's it's good to see a Penn State alum. Uh, me from Pennsylvania, got to support the Penn State alums. So uh, I really like Mike Kosicki against Baltimore. However, I hate the Dolphins in this in this game to even cover. Uh, so we'll talk more about that when we talk about uh, spreads and over-unders on the Friday podcast. But uh, I love Mike Kosicki to put up some, some decent stats this week. Next on my list, Christian McCaffrey versus Arizona. This one's a little iffy, uh, and it's based my, – my take's honestly going to be based on volume – with Sam Darnold out and PJ Walker struggling to adjust to life in the NFL versus life in the AFL, UFL, or XFL, wherever he played, who was he was a standout quarterback at one of those one of those leagues. But uh, I think that they're going to heavily rely on Christian McCaffrey here. He was on a pitch count last week; it did not help them. I think this week he feels a little bit better about the hamstring. He's got another week uh, to rehab it. And it didn't seem like he had any setbacks in the game against New England, uh, which was basically lost by the piss poor performance of Sam Darnold. So I expect a lot of volume to Christian McCaffrey. I'm not expecting a large amount of success in terms of statistics, but I think he gets more than 10 targets and he probably carries the ball more than 20 times. Typically when Christian McCaffrey does this, he is successful, which is why he's on my likes list this week. Next on the list, Cortland Sutton versus Philadelphia. Philadelphia, the Eagles, their defense is really weird in terms of number one wide receivers. Uh, before last week, giving up a decent game to Keenan Allen, they're really good against number one receivers and not that good against number twos. I would consider Jerry Judy the number one receiver for them and Cortland Sutton the number two, not only based on how their depth chart is set up, but the routes they run in their offense. And I like Cortland Sutton against Philly because they, Cortland Sutton is very underrated as a football player, great route runner. He's got the size, uh, and his speed is decent. So he he's basically Keenan Allen. 
Uh, Keenan Allen had success last week. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to air it out at least a little. Uh, and I think a decent amount of those passes go court, go court, Cortland Sutton's way. Uh, so I like him this week as a definite start against the Philadelphia Eagles. Last on my likes list, assuming that Russell Wilson starts. Uh, this does not include a Geno Smith start. So if Geno starts, completely disregard this statement. Uh, but I like DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett against Green Bay. I, Green Bay's defensive backs are extremely depleted. They may have lost at the, one of their rookie standouts, Eric Stokes, at cornerback. I literally do not understand how they continuously play well. However, I think that Russell Wilson and that offense of the Seattle Seahawks is going to come out and try and put a put a hurting on him. Even with Russ, Russell Wilson coming back a little bit early, I think he's fully healed uh, to the point of I think he's going to be able to light, light this game on fire and put up some decent stats, similar to when Russ was cooking at the beginning of last year. Uh, and Green Bay's defense, listen, I, I know that this goes against everything that's happened in the past few weeks. Green Bay's defense looks great. They held the Chiefs to 13. They held a lot of teams under their expected totals, uh, but they can't keep taking they can't keep taking all these injuries in the back end of their defense and somehow performing. I, I, there's got to be a, a, a game where they, it comes back to comes back to ground zero and or the median, so to speak. Uh, so I think that's this game. So I, I like Metcalf and Lockett both uh, this week uh, against the Green Bay Packers. Hopping back over to the flip side, the dislikes this week. Uh, first on the list, George Kittle versus the Rams. The Rams defense had a little bit of a stinker last week against Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I They're really good against tight ends. And George Kittle fumbled the ball last week. Uh, he got a lot of his targets that he caught from Jimmy Garoppolo when they were already down by 21, which leads me to believe most of it was garbage time. I don't like George Kittle, nor do I like any receiver that's not Debo Samuel uh, when the San Francisco 49ers are playing football. So I am going to stay away from George Kittle this week. Although, once again, like I've said a few times on the fantasy football uh, portion of the podcast, if you don't have anybody else and you have to start him, he's better than starting the third tight end from Jacksonville. Uh, but he's not. I'm not expecting huge things from him. Next on the list, Julio Jones versus New Orleans. You guys know exactly how I feel about Julio Jones, and if you don't, I'll tell you again. Awful this year. Awful. He's been off the field. You should have suspected that. Uh, as a Julio Jones follower, supporter, hater, or what have you, he's always dinged up. Hamstring's been an issue all year. Clearly, clearly A.J. Brown is the number one target, and Ryan Tannehill is not going to try and light the world on fire for throwing for 400 yards it just doesn't work because he's going to have to be in the shotgun too much, and he's not successful from the shotgun. So they're going to try again with their three back, three-headed running back system that they have with Jeremy McNichols, Adrian Peterson, and Dante Foreman. Uh, so I expect a lot of rushes in in that football game uh, for them to try and and key in on something. Uh, but the New Orleans defense is pretty stout, especially against the pass. So I think Julio Jones gets shut down here, uh, nor is he probably 100% anyway, so I definitely wouldn't start him this week against New Orleans, especially with New Orleans trying to bounce back after that pretty bad loss against the Atlanta Falcons. Next on the list, Dallas Goddard versus Denver. I don't know what my hate is for all these tight ends, but uh, Dallas Goddard, uh, Denver's defense looked great against the against the Cowboys, and, and the Cowboys' offense does utilize the tight end a decent amount. 
So they, the, the, Dalton Schultz has been no slouch, especially when it comes to fantasy. But I don't like Dallas Goddard versus – I don't like Jalen Hurts. And and for reasons of that he does not target a lot of people, nor does he throw the ball that often. So basically volume is going to be my reasoning for not liking Dallas Goddard this week. Goddard is one of his two targets he likes to target in Devontae Smith and, and, and Goddard as well. Uh, but Jalen Hurts is just – he's not as accurate – uh, as he needs to be, and, and the Denver defense is pretty stout, especially holding the Cowboys to zero points with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, uh, and that offense is way better than the Philadelphia offense. Therefore, I do not like Dallas Goddard this week. Next on my list, as much as this pains to say, or pains me, I guess, to say, uh, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson versus the Chargers. Uh, God only knows what's happening with this COVID outbreak. We do not know if either of those players are involved in it. But uh, we can't. The Vikings can't throw the ball down the field. Uh, nor are they even targeting the two, one of the best wide receiver combos in the league. Uh, Kirk Cousins isn't even targeting them. I think Justin Jefferson has nine targets in the last two games. That's absolutely ridiculous, especially when throwing a touchdown, a fifty-yard touchdown to him on the first drive. He had after that catch, that fifty-yard touchdown catch. He had two catches and a rush on three targets. Unbelievable. I just, the play calling is awful. Adam Thielen, two catches for six yards and a TD. I I don't know. I, I don't trust, I don't trust Kirk Cousins to find this. I don't know if it's Kirk. I don't know if it's the play calling and I don't know if it's a combo, which it probably is. Uh, but this team is, it, it looks terrible. The, the team looks terrible right now. And I don't trust starting either of these two players on this team until the Vikings can prove that they can call plays that are successful down the field, which is not happening. Last on my dislikes list is Leonard Fournette versus the Washington football team. Yes, Washington is bad, uh, but their secondary is way worse than their front seven. The last few games, Washington has been pretty stout against the run. Leonard Fournette and the, the Tampa Bay Bucks do not run the football for success. They run to keep teams from keying in on their pass game. Their back end is weak sauce. And Tom Brady as lighting people on fire. So I don't think that Leonard Fournette's going to have a decent game. They're going to run him maybe 10 to 15 times just to try and keep the defense honest. Uh, but Tom Brady's going to have a big game through the air here. So I definitely 100% like any of their of the Tampa Bay wide receivers uh, versus the running backs. And especially Leonard Fournette, who's probably going to get the meat of the carries. Uh, with Ronald Jones taking basically a back seat. Uh, for basically the whole season so far. All right, guys, that is going to be the end of the midweek podcast for the All In Man Cave podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Going to have some more different segments for some of the upcoming podcasts. Going to get back our background music, which I love. I've listened to a lot of tracks to put that in there. So uh, if you guys like it, uh, leave a review, like, subscribe, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, my Facebook posts for all you guys that are friends with me on Facebook. If you are not, uh, please add me on Facebook. C-O-L-E-H-A-Y-D-S and dog, T as and Tom. Add me on Facebook. Shoot me a comment right on my wall. I'm going to, I think I'm going to make a Twitter pretty soon instead of a website. Uh, instead of uh, an Instagram page just for the podcast, I think I'm going to make a Twitter 
post some stuff. Once I do that, I will let you guys know the link so that you guys can uh, follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, but I'm going to make a page just for the pod, throw some stuff out there, make some little small videos. Uh, if anything happens during the week and it's not, and it's not a day for me to release a pod, maybe release a video, ask a question, get some, get some of you guys and get some of your opinions on the Twitter page. Uh, but in the meantime, please like, please subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Tell a friend. Tell a coworker, tell anyone who you think would enjoy my beautiful voice talking about sports because I love talking about sports with you guys and I really enjoy it. So thank you so much once again. We, I will be back for the Friday podcast coming out with spreads, um, uh, winners against the spread and over-unders on Friday as per the usual. So until Friday, hope you guys have a good rest of the night and a good rest of your week so far, the work week, the life week, whatever it is, enjoy the sports, uh, whatever you like, enjoy whatever's on, uh, and keep, and keep loving it. Keep loving life, live it up. So, uh, thank you guys again. I appreciate it. And until Friday, later.